You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Excellence podcast. As always, I am your host, Nathan Crankfield. Excited today to be joined by my homie, Bobby Angel. Bobby, how we doing, my man? I ordered my 2021 planner, and I am so excited for that thing to come in. So I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can toss 2020 out, because it is, man, what happened? <laughs> so many so many good plans and optimism and then it was like you know what vision no, and dreams <laughs> no more no more just demolished dude i was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying like what their word for the year was you know what i mean and their word for a year was like intentionality or something i said i feel like everyone's word this year should just been chaos like nobody should have been allowed to have anything other than just pure chaos because that's exactly what it was I like to, yeah, and I like to remind people that God is in the mess, like God is in in the in the chaos, in the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of stress or unknown. Um, God is still at work, and so we just need to have eyes to be open to it, to recognize the things that have been stripped away from us, what's worth getting back to, and what's not. Um, And then it's exposed a lot. You know, you and I did the series on race and healing and like clearly there's stuff we need to talk about right and we can either try to brush that all aside and quote get back to normal or right again see it as maybe some stuff's being unearthed that we got to pay attention to so i'm excited to just keep chatting with you in this god forsaken year uh let's do it I love it. Love the optimism you're bringing to the table. This is great. <laughs> you're very Ron Swanson today, which I know is your is your spirit animal that you often try to channel. So I want you to know that you're doing great so far. My externals, yeah, spirit animals, Ron Swanson, but my internally, I am much more of a Ben Wyatt. I am a, <laughs> I am a, I am a nerd for sure. I am That's amazing. A cone, cones of Dunshire playing nerd. So That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. What a balance. that's wild well good so today you know i think in the midst of chaos one thing we always need is we need to have uh leaders we need to have heroes we need to have people that we're looking up to people that give us signs of hope uh for a better future for our personal lives for the church you know for our families whatever it might be for our country 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about who is your hero and, and the way that people become role models in our lives, the way that we can, you know, evaluate what are good role models in our lives, how we can be a good role model in the life of other people, uh, because this is so important, you know, and I think that one of the things that is, is very common in the world, you know, the army does this, focus does this, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of different organizations that kind of focus on this, like you always want to be being led by somebody and you always want to be leading other people, right? And we are kind of always doing that no matter what in our lives. And, and this is kind of one of the ways when we talk about role models and heroes is one of the ways that we get to choose who we're being led by, you know, because we're, we're allowing people to have this influence in our lives from the TV we watch, the music we take in, just the people that we kind of idolize and look up to. Um, you know, we, we are in, affected by those things on a, in a heavy, heavy way. And a lot of people, I think, are kind of just passive about the way that they kind of develop the people that they look up to. You know what I mean? It might just be petty things and small things, like I said before, the music you like or movies you enjoy or people you find funny. But I think, you know, my this past week I talked about in the podcast of who do you want to become? And I think a large part of who you want to become, the kind of next phase of that, or one of the parts of that is choosing kind of who is that you're going to look up to and try to emulate, right? As you try to become somebody. So yeah, what, what are your, what are your kind of initial thoughts, Bobby, on uh, just generally, you know, the idea of heroes and role models? Yeah, I mean, monkey see, monkey do. Like, uh, so much is more caught than taught. And so I think too of like, how do I even act as a man? It's usually watching other men model it for me, what I right. assume masculinity to be, for good or for ill. And you have the rise in men that don't have that. They don't have role models. They don't have dads present. And so you have the rise in websites like Art of Manliness or I forget the, the YouTube channel of this guy that's just like, uh, dad, how do I do X, Y, Z? It's like, oh yeah, you know, because we don't, we have a deep need for that. It's we have it, we need it modeled first. Mm. And usually within a community of people, it's a community of women or a community of men that are showing you this is how men behave. This is how women behave. Um, there's a deep need for that. And so thanks be to God, we have the internet and the ability to seek out. How do I tie a tie? How do I change my oil? How do I, you know, right. learn etiquette all over again? Um, whether you call that a hero or not, that's, we need that mentoring, the, that role model to kind of, so we're not all recreating a script of what does it mean to be a right. man in this century absolutely and one of the things i think that you kind of you know just hit on that i think is so important is when you when you when you ask that question you know I mean what does it mean to be a man what does it mean to be a woman like you already have an idea of what that means in your in your mind no matter what age you're at and this is kind of going back to like the intentionality of it is you probably just learned that from the culture, right? Like you learned that from your closest examples and the cultures that you've seen and, and the men and women that you've seen raised up in the culture and society, that's how you're going to learn how to be those things, right? And so you have to stop for a second, I think, and everybody needs always, and we, everybody needs to do this every month, you know, year, whatever it might be for you to evaluate, like, what do I think it means to be a man? What do I think it means to be a woman, to be a Catholic woman, to be a Catholic man, to be a man of virtue, to be a woman of virtue, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, Catholics are notorious for, for not doing well, but just like questioning things, you know, and questioning the way that you've kind of had things presented to you because a lot of people had bad examples in the church. You had bad parents who, parents who've gone to church every Sunday, but were bad examples of how to be a good man or a good woman like that, that happens and it exists. And it's just a part of our reality, you know, like 
just something that a lot of people just we just have to come to accept and realize like this is just what we're faced with. So now let's 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 acknowledge where we're at and what we think is a man, a good man or a good woman um, and really start to evaluate that. And then uh, we might have some serious, serious unlearning to do, you know, of what it means to be a good man. I know I did for sure as I got into college and kind of wanted to just like completely, I wish I could have like men in black to the last like 15 years of my life, you know, and just kind of just like wiped it away, completely forgotten and just kind of like rebuild. Okay. What, what does it mean to be a good, a good human being? Um, but especially a good man or a woman, you know, uh, cause well, it's so I, important. I, I, I love that. Like we need to, we do need to recognize what do I need to unlearn? What do I need to squeeze out? And yes. instead of just, well, this is the only thing I've been presented. It's like, we have to be like, well, actually that's crap. Like that's, not a great example or that's something I want to be better than instead of you know there there is a there is a degree of culpability of like this is the only mold of masculinity I've seen however we do reach a certain age and a certain maturity where it's like but I can't this is not life-giving to myself or to others and I have to be willing to not use that as an excuse but squeeze that out move on recognize I'm made for more. I'm made for better. And yeah, we need heroes. We need heroes to show us like, I want to emulate that. That's who I want right. to be like. Yeah. Because it's just like, imagine doing anything in life without, without that YouTube channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, if you don't, that's why the YouTube channel with that guy who plays, you know, everybody's dad or just kind of tutorials that show you how to do anything are so important because if you don't have anybody in your personal circle that can teach you how to do that. You have to, you have to see it. You know, like we're visual learners, everybody to different extents. But even if you're not a visual learner, you at least have to read it. Like to get uh, a, something that's hard to assemble with no instructions and no video to show you how to do it. Like how would you ever put, like it would take you a really, really long time to figure it out. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do. You know, is they, they look at people uh, either A, who have not figured it out and they, they still just like think they're cool. And so they're just like, I'm just going to, do what this person is doing, just say, forget the project and just go live my life. You know what I mean? Or B, they look at somebody who's doing it completely wrong or C, they just try to figure it out on their own. And it's like, none of those are successful. And there's people out there, you could find the examples who have actually like done the thing that you're trying to do in a successful manner. And the thing that we're trying to do, right, is ideally like everybody, hopefully is shooting to become saints, shooting to fulfill their potential to be the best person that they can be uh, in their own circumstances, in their own lives. And so we have to look at people who are doing that, you know, like find people who are doing that. And I think one of the hard parts is at the beginning, it's it's very hard to find people who you can look up to in all areas. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times you have to pick and choose who you're looking up to. And so what are your thoughts on, on just kind of like the intentionality of like, how do you pick, like assessing, like who is a good role model, who is not? How do I find that? Yeah, and we'll talk about that too of, of like, the models you have in your life who've done it well and those who have not done it well. And so yeah. part of that is the discerning of, I want to emulate this, but not this in this particular person. So a, a guy Which may doesn't be, make you judgmental, right? Like it's not, no, no, that's it's not, it's not it's, harsh. I can look at the work ethic of Tiger Woods, but I can also hold that intention with, but I want to be faithful to my wife. Right. Like, I want to start marriage and not be addicted to porn. Like, I can, we're all, we're all wounded. We're all, you know, have our, our sins and, and everything. So it's just an observation of like, this guy may be killing it in business, but has kind of a shady personal life. And so right. rare is the person that has it all together. We're all works in progress. 
Um, and even, you know, even people in the church, even priests, it's like, you know, you're, you're not to the finish line until you're at the finish line. I had a really great conversation a few years back with Father Mike Schmitz. He just was very honest with me. He's like, dude, brother, pray for me. Just because there's a lot of pressure in the limelight. There's a lot of pressure in even just your parish priest that people put on the pedestal and they don't see you as a human being, a man anymore, above temptation, above flaws. Um, and it, it rightfully, when we put people in that position, if they screw up, if they fall, a lot of people get um their faith gets shaken right so it is good to again especially in in the church to ask people to strive for sanctity for holiness but hold it in tension with we're not there till we're there so to not make people into this marble statue of invincibility like the, the people who are humble know that and they're on guard. They surround right. themselves they surround themselves with good checks and balances to call them out if they are um if they do start to slip or head towards the wrong direction. The people that have pushed out any kind of accountability or a circle that will hold them accountable, um that those are the figures you need to watch out for. Right. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting, Bobby, how like you can really start to understand that on a deeper level when you've been put on a pedestal and you've fallen down from that. Like that's been my biggest like life lessons and learning about that of how not to do that to people is because like I've, I've been there. You know what I mean? Like I've been the person that people look to when I was in college. It was crazy. You know, like someone, especially like my junior, senior year, some of the younger kids, the freshmen, especially in RTC and stuff like thought just like Nathan Crankfield could do no wrong. And it was like, man, you know, drove the upperclassmen crazy because they remembered me definitely like more, more back in my ratchet days. And so it was like this huge divide, right? Of like people who remembered, uh, you know, some of the pathways and stuff like that. And so I just remember like, like getting to that point and like failing some people and just like them seeing me curse somebody out on the basketball court or, you know, just do something I shouldn't have done and or drink too much one weekend or whatever it might have been, you know. And them kind of seeing like, wow, like he's flawed and like how much it impacted people. And this has happened. I mean, this happened last year, you know, with somebody. And it's like, dude, you can't you can't expect me. You can't hold me up on this pedestal and think that I'm going to be perfect all the time because I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, not only am I not going to be perfect, I'm like quite flawed. You know what I mean? And so but I think when you experience that, you start to realize like, you know, anybody you meet, you know, whether that's why I'm always I'm always intrigued by people, especially Catholics who are like especially starstruck with people you know, and I'm like, sure, there's more meetings or, you know, interactions or something that might be more important, but it's like, you recognize, like, everybody's just a human person, you know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of value in being able to, like, bring everybody down to, like, I I just think there's, like, a a wisdom or, like, a grace that allows you to see everybody as human and to value every single person the same and to love them the same, but also, like, but not value their attributes the same, right? Not value their work ethic or the, their accomplishments the same and to be able to praise and recognize the greatness in somebody or what they've accomplished or what they're on their way to accomplish or whatever and be very affirming of those things while also recognizing that this person has flaws and like they're not any better than you know I've talked I had a good podcast a few weeks ago on judging people and I think that when you start to get too much of a divide of like I'm a thousand out of ten excited to meet this celebrity or this Catholic speaker or whatever it might be 
and I'm zero out of 10 willing to like look this homeless person in the eye, you know, like when the divide's that great, you're, you're putting people on a spectrum, right? Like, and you find yourself somewhere on that spectrum and it's probably a little too high and it probably shouldn't exist at all, right? Like we should all just be kind of on the same type of level where you are starting, because I think that that leads to being judgmental towards other people. And it really just kind of distorts the way that we kind of, you know, evaluate and create good role models and the way that we see ourselves. You know what I mean? As, as, as role models to other people too. I, I'm not a big deal. I married someone who's, who's a big deal, but, <laughs> and so I've kind of been brought along for the ride and you got, yeah, you have to, you have to watch out. Cause that's a temptation when people start to put you on that pedestal or think you are, you know, this height of wisdom or this, whatever. And it's like, no, no, like I'm, I'm just a dude. And that's the importance of service too, of like, not just consuming Catholicism, but doing Catholicism, like exactly serving the homeless, doing prison ministry, um, you know, putting your gifts to the use of others. So it's not just this consuming it and then trying to get likes and affirmations and that whole thing. Right. That's, that's dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, very risky business, I think. And you see it a lot, you know, I see it with different uh, young Catholic people. And I get it. Like, I mean, I've been there at, at points in my life, you know what I mean? Especially with athletes or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I just think there's such a value in, in being able to recognize that, yeah, this person is just another human being. And while it's great and I, I've been heavily impacted, you know, like you should be moved to more like gratitude, gratitude for what the person has done for your life, how they've inspired you. And then you are to, uh, you know, just like obsession or being starstruck or being like overly impressed just with their you know, presence or existence. And I think that that's a, a very, very different experience. You know what I mean? It's a very, very different experience, but it allows you, yeah, like I said, to kind of see the, the flaws and values or the flaws and, and strengths of, of an individual and to value them despite all of those things, you know? One thing that I think is so common, the other thing that I think I see all the time is, you know, like we, we talk about how, um, uh, you know, like with, we have to remember that like, everybody's everybody's going to to die eventually right and we have this like just equality in that right like there's this 100 mortality rate for human beings and we have to recognize that like because everybody's going to die like we all have this like general equality to us but what we see when people die especially people that are close to us we like automatically want to um uh like sanctify them like they're automatically saints like we assume we assume heaven we assume salvation for these people which is a very dangerous game. We kind of just uh, canonize them. You know, that was, I couldn't think of the word. We canonize these people that we, we love and we know that have died or even celebrities or people, you know what I mean? We're always just, they're automatically in a better place and all this stuff. And it's, it's very like heartwarming, right? It's very touchy feely. It's very nice, but it kind of, it makes this dangerous game. And I think that that dangerous game begins even earlier because I see it all the time with people posting uh, about family members or parents or siblings. And it's like, we use such extreme language that I think really makes an impact on people's lives in a deeper way than we think. When we say that I have the best dad in the entire world, or, you know what I'm saying? Like when you really start to use that language consistently, um, even when you don't. And, and I think everybody's like, everybody favors their child or they favor their parent or, you know, whoever it might be. Um, but sometimes I think it gets to such an extreme place where you actually just start to neglect, you neglect the negative attributes of that person that you are mimicking for the sake of the positive attributes that you actually admire, right? So because dad's really fun and he's cool and he drinks with us or whatever, like forget the fact that he never goes to mass. He's not really that good of a husband. You know, he's kind of lazy at work. Forget all those things because he's fun, cool and like hangs out with us and like 
we love talking about football together. You know, it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean like, I'm all for you, like affirming your dad in public on his birthday, on your Facebook post, but in conversation, like recognize the impacts that you thinking that this person is the epitome of greatness will have on you. Because a lot of times when we have role models, we're only shooting to be 60 to 80% of what they actually are. And if you're idolized, if you're a hundred, is somebody who's really a six, then you're 80%, you know, 60 to 80% is going to make you a four or a five. And I think it's just a really dangerous game that people play. And some of that too is a reflection on what role model did they have? Right. You know, because yeah. I can, on that note too, of, of kind of keeping their humanity in front of us and, you know, we can point out their flaws and their shortcomings, realize too, what's the role model that they have, right? Like your parent may be wounded or not be able to express their love in a certain way because they never got it as a kid. Yes. And so they don't know how to. And so that cycle's kept on going. And that's something I've seen in my own life. Like my, you know, on that point, like my dad was kind of my first hero, like just yeah. showed me what fatherhood was before I ever, you know, became a part of it of just the working hard but then playing hard you know we would always my brother and I would run and hug him in the yard he could barely get his tie off before we tackled him and yeah he was there he was present um that's awesome to his, to his credit because his dad was not touchy-feely was not affirming my dad made a conscious decision like no I'm gonna show my kids I love them not just look I work for you therefore I love you like and never say it out loud right um, he didn't have much of a spiritual guidance like he grew up he learned latin barely enough latin to altar serve he got kicked out of altar serving when he was 10 because the priest caught him like guzzling the wine in the sacristy <laughs> <laughs> he's like get out so <laughs> but you know we were we grew up catholic and we checked the box on the vigil mass every saturday got the early bird special afterwards for nice. dinner slept in on sundays um helped out a bingo and that was kind of it so the the modeling of like intentional spiritual fatherhood, I really had to come and uh, come into that as the years went on. And even like with chastity, like yeah. the, my parents never gave me the time. You know, my dad signed a waiver when I was in fifth grade and in popped a VHS of my changing body and left super confused with the bag of odorant. And, uh, you know, I had, <laughs> I had MTV and, and a fast and, and fast, super fast growing internet to show me what sex was about. Right. And, you know, my dad just didn't, he wasn't either comfortable or wasn't aware of the threat that the culture of pornography was how bad it had gotten. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, it's just the playboys of our parents' generation. It's like, nope, not at all. And so um, to be aware too of like, you know, the temptation one to idolize maybe family members or your heroes, but then the opposite extreme to blame them for everything. Yeah. When instead to have a posture of mercy on uh, to be thankful for what they gave you and be mercy on them for what they probably didn't have in their own life. Right. And, and to recognize that, like, I think your, your parents being your role models is the worst place to see people going 60 to 80% of like what that person has accomplished because you're, like your parents work so hard so that you can surpass them. Like that's yeah. the, you know, I mean, I'm not a parent yet. You could, you could speak to it more than I can for sure uh, from the personal experience of it. But I know my parents have expressed to me, you know, like a lot of what I did was so that you don't have to struggle or that you don't have to have the same life that I've had. 
Uh, and so we have a responsibility, I think, to not idolize them to the point of like, I'll never get there, but to actually like work to get, like we should have been formed by them or, or use the gifts that they've given us, you know, through opportunity, through finances, through whatever it might be uh, to actually make something that is, is going to be going to be better, you know, just like your father did before with the father before that he had. And my dad did with his dad, you know, like my dad's dad, my grandfather, my dad's side was awful, uh, just horrific. And so I'm able to recognize, you know what I mean? And I grew in a lot of patience and forgiveness and grace to be able to forgive my father for a lot of things. But really the maturity helped me to see like how much of a struggle it must have been for him to try to even figure it out, you know, because it's such a bad example that he had. And so I think that's, even if your parent is good, like you should strive to be a great parent. You know, I'm always, I'm always most intrigued by the kids that I grew up with or the peers that I see who are like just screwing up like consistently who claim to have had the best parents of all time. And it's like, you know, you kind of make it hard to make that argument <laughs> when you are like not a good product of your parents' parenting, you know, like one of the best ways that we can honor some of the role models and heroes, or if you have mentors in life, you know, mentors in your profession, mentors in, uh, you know, whatever it might be in the faith, whatever, it's like, you know, you're not completely tied to, to do everything for them, but there is a sense of like respect that, you know, if you're going to take this time to invest in developing me, I'm going to actually put forth the work. You know, if you're going to take the time to coach me, I'm going to show up to practice and give my all, you know, like there's a certain just level of respect there, I think, for, for people who are willing to invest time in you and who, who's invested more time, money and energy into you than your parents. I think that's the delight of when parents see their kids become parents, because now they will realize how exhausting and <laughs> yeah. it is and how much they'll push your buttons and how much they will draw out of you to love rightly it's same thing like if you are a coach and you have an athlete and they become a coach one day or they start mentoring it's that kind of multiplication in the spiritual life it would be that spiritual multiplication when a, right. a guy you've discipled is now leading his own bible study there's yeah. a great pride in oh, that. That's so there's, cool. <laughs> there's also there's also a great like delight in watching them now experience how exhausting it is to be right. on that side of, of the vineyard. And so <laughs> and we watched um This Is Us, like we blitzed through that show. And it, it just shows you too, like no matter how great of parents you have, your kids will still have issues of one way or another. Like right. So even as a dad now, it's like I have days where I'm, I'm tired. I'm not in the mood. I lose my patience. Like I just want to veg and trying to give your kids your all is you got to be intentional. It's tough. And it's kids are, you know, thankfully kids are resilient. Like you can lose your, your cool with them. And then half hour later, they're, they're fine. They want you to play with Legos and you're like, I'm the worst dad in the world. <laughs> they, they, they've already, they've already moved on. Right. So thanks be to god yeah you're uh and you're not at home today right so we won't have any cameos from the children no i should be <laughs> uninterrupted today should you never know they're always they're always watching those are always amazing <laughs> uh, going going to the bathroom is now a team activity i see <laughs> even when you try to like quietly leave the room they still right. know and you're right. like dad what you doing in there <laughs> like you know <laughs> you know what happens in here I want to be alone. Okay, can I be with you? Sure. <laughs> can I be alone with you? <laughs> sure, kid. Sure. That's amazing. So great. So I want to go back to you know what you talked about with with your dad and, and kind of having your first hero growing up as a kid. Like, what was some of the impacts on, on of him or 
any other heroes that you can kind of remember having, especially if you can remember any, like, do you remember any, like, of your first heroes that might have been, like, celebrities or athletes or, or people that you looked up to outside of the home as well? Uh, Batman, for sure. Um, <laughs> nice. as, as a melancholic temperament, I have a picture of myself when I was five with a Batman shirt, and I grew up with the 60s campy bam, pow, wham show. Yeah. Which gave way to the amazing 90s animated cartoon, the Batman series. Um, so there was just something about like, even if you have that kind of darker temperament, the more introvert, introspective, there's still a way you could serve others. There's still a way you can lay down your life. And I think Christopher Nolan did such a good job with that, with the Dark Knight trilogy of like, the hero has to lay down his life. That's just the only way for the story to end. Yeah. And the best stories, whether it's Iron Man, whether it's, you know, in a few of the Spider-Man films, there, there's always a point where the hero has to be willing to get to that point of like laying down his life, which obviously is the goes back to Christ as the prototype of this is what it takes. This is what the heroic life looks like. Mm-hmm. It's not just flying around. It's not living in a mansion with cool cars. At some point, it's my life has to be laid down for the good of others. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but there was, it, and I'll, this comes to mind too. When I was 17, my dad took me to see Gladiator because it was 2000, it was in the theaters. First rated R movie I you know, legally went to with. And so to go see Gladiator with my dad and have this guy Maximus where, again, we're kind of in an age of, of men and dads are seen as doofuses. Right, yeah, absolutely. The, the Homer Simpson, the obtuse, just lazy, you know, that model of manhood. And for to be sitting in the theater next to my dad watching this guy Maximus Decimus Meridius, just, you know, be a warrior, be a father, um, be a, again a man willing to lay down his life for a greater cause left a mark on me it's still one of my favorite movies i watch it once a year um that's awesome so again in if i haven't had it in person i've definitely had it and again that, i think that's the the point of fiction too is that from yes. you know the iliad and the odyssey we've always gravitated to stories of heroes to inspire us and i think that's why you've got this comic book resurgence that's happened is this kind of ache for the heroic in our modern world. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of my biggest, uh, one of my favorite, you know, fiction, fictional characters, he brought up movies, was Rocky. I was like obsessed with Rocky growing up, which is so funny, you know, because the movies were made so long ago. Uh, and I just loved them. My mom was all about them. My dad loved them. And so we would watch Rocky movies and I'd seen all of them and like couldn't wait for Creed to come out and just like love, I still, you know, love the Rocky series. And similar, you know what I mean? Like you get to see this guy who's just like down on his luck, doesn't really have anything, but you get the you get the hope of how much like opportunity comes to all of us, you know, in one form or another, at one time or another. And you you realize through Rocky that like you might not get a thousand chances, but you might get one really big one, you know. <clears throat> and you just just see his resilience and his willingness to just like do whatever it takes and, and just get after it, you know, and just like this this goal of so much you know so much wisdom and i think in his goal in the first movie of not even wanting to win the fight but just wanting to last wanting to survive and like make it all 15 rounds because nobody had ever gone the distance with creed you know and so so cool i mean i just learned so much from that man in all of the movies 
And it was such a huge part of my life, you know, and I think that it, it came to me and I think I got more and more, I felt more and more in love with the Rocky as I saw more and more of my male role models in my life kind of fall off one by one, you know, as I was growing up. And that's something that I think I got to see a lot too. And there's, there's two very specific memories that I have of that happening. But first I want to ask you, like, do you remember any bad role models that you had and like, what, what have you, um, you know, why did you look up to them in the time and like what kind of negative impacts did it have on you? How'd you kind of realize that they were not necessarily good role models to look up to? Um, and what, what did you kind of do about it to, to change or unlearn as we talked about earlier? Yeah, the couple figures that come to mind, and these aren't men that I looked up to, like I didn't have a poster of them on my wall. It just was like, these were leaders in the world at the time. And I think these were also moments where kind of like, you know, the bubble pops of like, oh, not every man is good. Like these positions don't um, mean that you, if you've achieved this position, does not mean you're a moral man. I was, again, I was born in 84. And so when the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky thing came out, I was 96 ish. I don't know exactly what year, but I remember being like 10, 11, 12, sitting on the, sitting on the floor watching this, you know, the president give this speech. And mm. again, I did not know what oral sex was. I didn't know any of the deal, but it just was like, I just knew at some level, like the president is willing to cheat on his wife. I don't want this guy to be leader of my country. Like there was some level of awareness of, hmm, like I am not, and I don't mean to get into like every skeleton of every closet of every president, but it just was an awakening of like, hmm, like being the president does not mean you are a moral man. And I was also like, that's not as a leader. I, I would hope my leader in whatever my organization was, would be faithful to his wife. Because I feel like if you're not going to be faithful to your wife, then what else are you not going to be faithful to? Right. And around that same yeah, era, that's deep. around that same era of the late nineties, you had Mark McGuire, baseball player who had like the home run record mm. and comes out that he's doping. And so there's this big asterisk by his record now. And there was the sense too of like, these athletes that maybe you've been like, wow, these guys are awesome. Oh, they got there by cheating. Right. You know, same thing with Lance Armstrong, same thing with like any of these other heroes that or athletic role models you put up there for their, their hustle and their work ethic. Right. But then you're like, Oh, but you got there unethically. Yeah. And it happens so often, you know, and, and, there's a there's a balance there where you have to still you know we have to continue to find people to emulate but we have to be ready i think for that fall yeah you know yeah. definitely not hoping for it definitely not expecting we shouldn't help anybody to fall in such a you know major way from grace but you have to there's a certain like preparation in your heart too i think recognizing that i'm going to try to emulate this man as best i can recognizing that it's possible that he could be like super messed up behind closed doors you know you never really know and mine mine were you know the two that i remember most, most vividly were I remember being 10 years old and I had my friend who lived up the street from me and uh, we got super close. His family lived, I think, in my neighborhood for like three or four years and we were super tight, me and Khalil. And uh, we were 10 or 11 years old and his brother was 15. And I just remember his brother one day coming home uh, from like being out with his friends or whatever. And he had a room that they had like made the garage into his bedroom. And we were like in the room in his bedroom with him, like just hanging out, like talking to him. And he like told us about how high he was. And it was like the first time like he had smoked weed, you know, and 
uh, or I don't know if it was the first time, but he was, you know, smoking weed. And it was like, I was at that phase of my life, you know, that I, it was like, we kind of, in my like high school class, high school that I went to, like a lot of us ended up smoking weed like during high school, but um, we all had this like phase in middle school where like, you know, the, the dare lion, we went to the dare drug program, you know, just say no, all that stuff. And it was like, drugs are like the worst thing you can possibly do in the world. You know what I mean? So it was like, I was in the, the thick of that phase and see this guy who was like, at that point, probably like the guy I looked up to the most in the world, you know what I mean? Like my best friend's older brother, because I, I, I had older siblings and stuff, but I wasn't really that close with them and was just like devastated, you know what I mean? And just like, couldn't believe, um, couldn't believe it. Like, just like I was, I just remember walking home that night, leaving his house, just walking like the block back to my house. And just like, my brain was just rattled. And I just thought about it and just thought about it and just thought about it. And like, who knows how much I ended up impacting me later on and how much I impacted the way that I, I viewed people who do drugs. You know what I mean? This guy who I'm holding up so high, who's now smoking weed. And that's, that's a, you know, a smaller, it's not the, you know, the absolute end of the world, but um, it just like had such a, like a profound impact on me. And I think that you can see how much of a negative impact or, or just like a big splash that you can have on somebody when, when you kind of make that, um, that failure when you have that failing. And, and like we talked about earlier, you don't want to hold people up to a pedestal and we don't want to be put on a pedestal, but we do have to recognize, you know, and like you have to recognize you married somebody who's a big deal. Right. So like the decisions you make, the words you say, the things you do matter, right. Like they do have an impact in the lives of other people. So how do you think that, you know, you and I, like how does an ordinary person, you know, really focus on ways that we can be a good role model um, despite the fact that we don't want to put on a pedestal, but we still have to recognize that like, you have a lot of impact. Yeah. And that, that is a, you know, that can be a, a heavy burden. That can be a great responsibility though, because again, we look up to the saints for a reason and, you know, amongst them were drunkards and murderers and liars and adulterers. And so it's like, they all had conversion moments and they all got their act together. And so your past doesn't mean you can never be a role model or you've had it all, you haven't had it all together. Therefore you can't be a witness for Christ. No, it's like, but when you are, and you do make that an intentional decision, you got to walk the walk. And again, go to confession as often as necessary, but um, Dr. Swafford, Dr. Andrew Swafford is, he's like a big brother to me. He's like a few years older in the journey of parenthood. He's just a beast of a man. He's getting old. He is getting off. Uh, well, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I just want to say that. I said that. I just want to send it to him and let him know that I called him old. Yeah. No, he's, um, he's in better shape than me. I'm pretty sure, so I can't call him old. Oh yeah, he benches more than I do, he, <laughs> and plus he knows he knows Greek and Hebrew and all this. But he has an expression he'll say. He says, "Lord, help me to be the man that other people think I am." Yeah, it's so good. And I stole that. I pray that myself because, yeah, it's like maybe you didn't ask to be a role model. You didn't ask to be um, put on a pedestal in terms of the faith or what you're doing, but that God has called you out to lead other people and to take that seriously and to recognize, you know, you don't want to bring scandal to the church or to Christ. Right. And so to know yourself, know your buttons, how you're tempted, how the, the devil likes to attack you and be on guard. And again, pray that like, Lord, help me to be the, the person, the man or the woman that other people think I am. Like, help me to grow into that example of virtue. Because I've had my own moments where Jackie's out of town, the kids are asleep, and that lion of lust is on the prowl. 
and mm -hmm. you know it's just a few clicks away to get a quick fix and you're like i've had to go outside and just look at my house and look at you know take stock of everything and be like lord i don't let me shoot myself in the foot right you know like am i willing to risk all the blessings all the good things for you know a few moments of quote pleasure so right. and that's just that's just me being honest and real like no yeah. man is no man is above temptation saint thomas more said no man should go where he's tempted mm. this is like a few hundred years before the internet so, right. <laughs> yeah. man it's, it's that you know it's that growing and um you are a role model whether it's in a big way or in a little way to friends and family um, if you are you are a disciple of Christ, then um, other people are looking at you, right? Whether you realize it or not, whether you ask for it or not, it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's relevant. It's present. And I think that you know, yeah, you can't. You just can't hide from it. You can't escape it. And so it's it's better to embrace it. To embrace the cross that's been laid out before you. You know what I mean? And to to spend your time running and hiding and trying to avoid it. So yeah, that's awesome, man. That's really good. Thanks for sharing that for being vulnerable there. So let's, let's bring it home with just like, what is your final advice for people on how to find good role models for their life? Do you have any closing thoughts on, on how can we go about finding good heroes? Um, I think you said it earlier, just be eyes wide open with um, the fact that every person is flawed and they may be doing great things in one area, but be, mindful not to make them to put them in the pedestal of god you know where only god can be mm. um if, if you're inspired by this guy's work ethic and hustle awesome you know integrate that if you are inspired by this athlete who gets up at 5 a.m gets his lift in great do that um, right and then make sure to like read the lives of the saints and what they did what they overcame their boldness their courage um I'm inspired too by again all the martyrs who are not named like the japanese martyrs the ugandan martyrs those that like they don't get their name in lights so to speak right you know if i get to be a companion one day i will be blessed indeed you know what i mean right like, yeah um instead of even again like when it comes to the saints instead of like oh i want to be you know that temptation like oh i want to be i want my name to be remembered right like, no, 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 I want to love Jesus Christ and I want to be faithful to what he's calling me to do, whether I'm remembered or not. Right. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, my last thoughts on that are just the, the seven pillars of excellence, right? The things that we've kind of lined up. I think that's a good way to kind of gauge. And it's one of the ways I've kind of evaluated which, which pillar am I looking up to this person in? You know what I mean? When I find myself kind of whether it's like idolizing or just kind of look, not idolizing as in, you know, being extreme, like to the point of like actual idol, but idolizing somebody or looking up to somebody, it's like, okay, let's be, let's be intentional here. You know what I mean? Not to tear them down and be judgmental in the areas of their weaknesses, but like which areas of this person do I actually want to emulate? You know, and the seven pillars trying to give me a good frame to say, okay, it's in their physical fitness. It's in their professional life. It's in their marriage. You know, it might be in their faith life, whatever it is. I can say, this is what I want to, to be because even some of the saints, right? Like, you're not like you're not called to be Mother Teresa, right? Like, there's some definite differences in the way that she lived her life, and the way you're called to live yours, you know. And so I think that we have to even pick and choose from the saints, you know. We have to be a combination of the saints, and and you know, I'm always I'm often jealous of 
uh, my so the the priest that's on our board, Father Jonathan Meyer, he is not obsessed with, but very much adores uh, St. John Vianney. And like rightfully so, right? Like one of the greatest priests of all time. And I'm always jealous because I'm just like, man, he gets to like build his life around like St. John Vianney, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what, like your profession is like a, a theology teacher or like me as a resident director. It's like, well, I don't necessarily have a saint who was a resident director that I can say, you know, like this is what he did from in his mornings. This is what he did his afternoons. This is what he did at nighttime. This is how his like house looked, you know? Um, but it's still cool to kind of like recognize that I can still pick and choose. And I always use this analogy, much like I did in basketball, where I wasn't going to try to be just only like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace of the Mamba, or only like LeBron or only like, but I was like, okay, you know, I like Kobe's step back. I like LeBron, the way he drives to the hoop, you know, and I could kind of emulate different, pick and choose different parts of people and put it together the way I want to play my game. There's a commercial of Michael Phelps when he was like right before his last Olympics. And I can't remember if what the brand was like, that's just funny. It's like, you can't remember who the brand was. It was, if it was (laughs) Under Armour. (laughs) Yeah. If it was Nike or Under Armour or whatever it was, but like it's him training at like 5.00 AM in an an empty pool. And it just, the way they filmed it was beautiful because it was also his last Olympics, like leading up to his last Olympics. And um, I remember watching them like, all right, fine. I'll lift tomorrow. And I still will rewatch it <laughs> on days where I'm like, I don't want to lift the next morning. I'll still be like, okay, let me do it. And his story too, is I shared with some of my students, like how even at the top of his game, he f- finds himself afterwards experiencing depression. He finds himself using, um, gets a DUI and ends up actually in a rehab clinic. And it's only when, so again, anyone that put Michael Phelps on a pedestal, that was brought down to earth pretty quickly. Right. But I forget, I think it was Ray Lewis who gave him a copy of a, The Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. So Michael Phelps, who never had a real strong component of faith in his life, is presented the gospel and realize, realizes there's a purpose bigger than him. Mm. And so to realize too, like all of our heroes are broken one way or another. And even the best at the very top of their game um, need the Lord. And I think it's beautiful too. Like 2020 was kind of the death of Kobe was kind of the start of this bizarre year. And, but the beauty too, of him who as in his own story, kind of a, a redemption as a Catholic went to mass that morning of the helicopter crash. Right. And I've shared with my students as well, like to think, you know, his last meal may very well have been the Eucharist you know, the beauty of, of that. So even if we are put on pedestals, even if we, however, we are called to be role models, we have to be fed by Christ first, the ultimate role model, the ultimate hero that we need to model everything else after. Right. Boom. That's it. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I got nothing else after that. (laughs) That's great. No, it's a great closing. So thank you so much for coming out today. It's great to see you and spend some time with you, my man. Great to do this again and look forward to, uh, look forward to doing more someday. Thank you again for your ministry and everything going on with Seeking Excellence. It's It's exciting to see you guys growing by leaps and bounds here. So God bless you, man. Thanks brother.